What's up, guys? It's your boy, StatMat from Back and Forth. And I want to tell you a little bit about Anchor and what Anchor is. Well, let's start first. It's free. We all like free stuff. And Anchor is absolutely 100% free to use. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. What's up, guys? How are you? My name is Stat Matt, a.k.a. Matt Raftree, host of the Back and Forth podcast, here on a Tuesday following a pretty eventful Monday night in sports. We had the Clippers hanging on to survive for another day, and we started the Stanley Cup final between the Tampa Bay Lightning and Montreal Canadiens. We will talk about both of those games today. We have a pretty big game four coming up here for the Hawks and the Bucks of the Eastern Conference Final. And so we'll preview that and maybe even look at a little bit of baseball going on, uh, some news and happenings of that. But let's get it started with the Stanley Cup Final and that being the Montreal Canadiens taking on the Tampa Bay Lightning game one in Tampa. The Lightning win 5-1, to one. and if you listened to the show live on the Rebel HD2 yesterday, we were all pretty convinced the Lightning were the real deal, and they were. They absolutely were. I thought that the Lightning came into this game mad, that they wanted to flex a muscle, and from what I could tell, the Montreal Canadiens kind of ticked off the the Tampa Bay Lightning just a little bit. Uh, If you watch the end of that game, on the power play, the Lightning sent out five forwards. (laughs) You don't don't usually do that in hockey unless you're really mad and you want to run the score up and you want to have a message sent to the other side. Well, I I think message received for the Montreal Canadiens. They get their doors knocked in 5-1 to by the Tampa Bay Lightning in that opening series, Andre Vasilevsky putting on another dominant performance in net for the Tampa Bay Lightning. He might win the Conn Smythe as this playoff's most valuable player. Uh, I could easily see him possibly even winning goaltender of the year. He has just been rock solid for that Tampa Bay Lightning organization, especially in the playoffs. Really only allows one goal a game, if not pitching a shutout. Uh, His goals allowed average is very, very low. And I've just been really impressed from what I've seen from Andre Vasilevsky of the Tampa Bay Lightning. And look, for those that are a little bit maybe upset because they were they're cheering for Montreal, you had to see this coming, right? Like, don't sit there and actually tell me you thought the Montreal Canadiens stand a chance against the Lightning because they don't. I think the series is done in five. Maybe Montreal sneaks one back at home. If the Montreal Canadiens really piss off the Tampa Bay Lightning, it could be a clean sweep 4-0. I, I just don't see how Montreal 
is going to come off of that series with Vegas. You know, they're coming into the Stanley Cup final on an emotional high because look at us. We took down the bad boys from Vegas and the Vegas Golden Knights. We are a really good team. And they run into the Tampa Bay Lightning, who have been a really good team for a while. And a team that, and people may say, well, Matt, you're just a hater of Montreal. Okay, say what you want. But all I know is Montreal would not have been in the playoffs if this was a normal year. Montreal knows that too. You're telling me a losing record gets to the playoffs? (laughs) Okay, have fun. Uh, Yeah, Montreal caught a massive break by only having to play the Canadian teams this year. The Canadian Canadian teams as a whole weren't very good, and Montreal basically won by default, got into the playoffs by default. Now, granted, I'm not going to take anything away from them. I thought they were the better team in the Vegas Golden Knights uh, Montreal Canadiens semifinal series. I I will never take anything away from Montreal for that. I I don't think Vegas deserved to win that series. And I just think you're coming into this now with a different beast in the Tampa Bay Lightning. I, I think if Vegas had advanced, Tampa Bay probably would have done something similar Maybe the score's a little bit closer, but I still think Tampa Bay would have taken care of Vegas relatively easy. I mean, if you look at Tampa Bay, Braden Point, Kucherov, Vasilevsky and Net, that team is just so well put together, top to bottom. They don't have very many holes or flaws, and that's why I think Tampa Bay could probably take care of Montreal in probably five games. Maybe, like I said slight chance maybe it's in four but I think more realistically Montreal will steal a game in Montreal and then they will go back to Tampa Bay with the series being in favor of Tampa three games to one and Tampa Bay will close this out in five games on their home ice and we will be talking about how dominant Tampa Bay was this series but with that I want to shift gears a little bit to another team that had a 3-1 series lead going into last night's game, that being in the NBA with the Suns and the Clippers. So the Suns came into last night's game. They held the 3-1 series lead going into game five back at home in Phoenix against the Los Angeles Clippers. Now, if you listen to my radio show last night, back and forth on the Rebel HG2, very, also very important reason you should tune into that because I reference it quite a bit on the podcast. But if you listen last night, You know that even as a Clippers fan, which I am, I had my doubts about the Clippers last night. And this was before the game obviously started. I I thought that yesterday was going to be the last day of the Clippers season. I didn't think they stood a chance against Phoenix, especially with the news coming out late that Avica Zubak was not going to play. I thought, oh boy, DeAndre Ayton is going to go bananas down low. I mean, he's already dominating Zubak as it is. Now you don't even have to worry about Zubak being in the game, and you're DeAndre Ayton? Yeah, sign me up for a 20-20 and 20 type game from DeAndre Ayton being 20 rebounds, 20 points. That, of course, did not happen. DeAndre Ayton, I believe, only finished with about 10 points and 10 rebounds, so about half of that. And Phoenix did not look like themselves last night. It was kind of strange. And the Clippers came to play. I mean, it's strange, but the Paul George, Reggie Jackson offense for the Clippers 
is actually working. And if you look in that first half, it was not it wasn't just Reggie Jackson and Paul George. You had guys like Marcus Morris getting going in the first half. And that was a pleasant surprise. We've seen Marcus Morris before hit shots when he is getting going, especially beyond the arc. He's a really good shooter once he can get in rhythm, and he showed that in the first half last night. So you look at that, and if you're Phoenix, you're not really sure what to make of last night's game. Paul George went for a career high in the playoffs for points. And... The Clippers win the game, I believe, by a score of 113 to 102. Don't hold me to that. Let me double check that real quick while I have you guys here. I will get that score, exact score for you from last night's game. So the Clippers almost 116, my bad. Clippers win 116 to 102. They win the game by 14 points on the road in game five. So Paul George goes for, I believe, 41 points last night. Reggie Jackson went for 23. And if you're the Suns, you have to be thinking to yourself, okay, if we want to win the series, we have to stop Reggie Jackson and Paul George. It's simple as that. If you stop them, you're depending on Luke Kennard, Marcus Morris, Patrick Beverly, and company to beat you. Mm, I like Marcus Morris, but can he do that on a consistent basis? I doubt it. Luke Kennard can make a couple shots here and there, but not nothing consistently. Patrick Beverly has been known as a defensive presence way more than an offensive presence. So if you're Phoenix, you, you know stop Reggie Jackson and Paul George, and you win going away. Well, last night, both those guys went for over 20 points. Paul George clearing way over 20 points. Like I said, finished, I believe, with 41 points. Reggie Jackson finishing with 23. And... Now it's a game six on Wednesday night in L.A. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I felt like the Suns, their best chance to close was going to be last night. If this gets to seven, I mean, yikes. I mean, what what a bad break if this gets to seven and the Clippers end up losing. And I mean bad break for Chris Paul. I mean, up three games to one, and you give it away again. You know, Chris Paul, you know, aside the memes aside and all that, he's been known in the past to have 3-1 series leads on teams that he's on and ends up blowing it. Um, but I do hope Chris Paul in the near future can win a championship ring um, I think he's well-deserving of it, and they may win it this year. Um, game six, may it, I may have had reverse logic on this. The Clippers coming in to win game five. They're coming in emotionally high. They just came off of another win in the Western Conference Final. They're feeling all right about themselves. They've got the series extended. It's now going back to L.A. Could they be caught looking ahead and... Phoenix comes in and closes the door on him in six games? Very possible. I wouldn't rule that out. Let's go back to the first half of game number four, if you remember right. The Clippers came came back home, won game three to make the series 2-1. They were feeling good about themselves. They came into game four, and at least in the first half, they were caught sleepwalking. I mean, couldn't make a shot. Offense was nowhere to be found. 
And the Suns, while they didn't have a ton of offense themselves, they had a lot more than the Clippers did, especially in that first half. And I could see the same type of theory playing out in Game 6, where the Clippers come in a little bit flat-footed, if nothing else, just to start. So would a double-digit lead for the Suns at halftime shock me? Nope. I think it's very possible it could happen. So Game 6, we'll be watching that. I'll have more on that coming up on tomorrow's episode of Back and Forth. But to tonight's game, the Bucks taking on the Hawks. This is a crucial game for Atlanta. If Atlanta wants to stay alive in the series, tonight is 110% a must-win for Atlanta. You're down 2-1 in the series. You're coming off of a 113-102 loss to the Milwaukee Bucks in Game 3. And now you have Trey Young, who's dealing with a... They're calling a bone bruise in his ankle. Ah, that makes me nervous. If you're an Atlanta fan, I'm very concerned and I'm very nervous right now. I mean, go back and look at Donovan Mitchell, how well he was playing in that Clippers series once his ankle got hurt. It was definitely a nuisance to him, and it was very noticeable. And the same can be said for, you know, guys that have had similar injuries and they're trying to play through it throughout, you know, the years, it's just noticeable and it hurts and it affects performance. And I think it could very well affect the performance of Trey Young tonight. And would a Milwaukee blowout shock me? Not at all. Especially if Giannis gets going, Chris Middleton picks up where he left off last game. Yeah, I think so. If Trey Young is particularly limited or has to leave the game early due to just, you know, too much pain in that ankle— and now Atlanta looks around. I mean, think about it. On Atlanta's roster, who realistically is their next option after Trey Young? Is it Lou Williams? No, I don't think so. I think he's better off the bench. How about John Collins? No, don't really see John Collins taking the game over either. Bogdanovich? He's decent shooting the ball, and he can knock down some threes every now and then. But a dominant force? No, I don't think so. This team is so centric around Trey Young that if he has to leave the game, oh boy, it's going to be probably 3-1 Milwaukee in the series. Heading back to Milwaukee, uh, I mean, I'd probably I'd probably take Milwaukee to win the next two games if Trey Young has any issues with that ankle. It, this just doesn't feel like a good spot here for Atlanta. They're, they're very dependent now on Trey Young, and... If Milwaukee struggles on offense, maybe Atlanta has a chance. But they're going to need probably at least 30 out of Trey Young tonight, plus the supporting cast to show up. Guys like Lou Williams, John Collins, Bogdanovich, as I've all just mentioned previously. They've got to show up tonight to help Trey Young, or Trey Young could drop 35 and his team still loses by 20 to the Bucks because the Bucks just have Giannis and Antetokounmpo and a whole host of other guys, uh, smaller role-playing guys that can knock down shots when needed. So I don't like this for Atlanta, that Trey Young now has a bone bruise. I'd be a little concerned, but as we like to say here on Back and Forth, we'll just have to wait and see on that game. We'll have a recap of that coming up here on Wednesday's edition of Back and Forth. And finally, to baseball. Baseball's been a little bit interesting. Now, there's too many games for me to go you know, day by day and say, well, this team won this day, and this starter... 
But the thing to watch now with baseball, if you like offense, watch baseball from here on out the rest of the season. And here's why. The past week, we have seen more runs being scored because of one rule change that came into effect this past week. So historically, pitchers have been able to use this substance, sticky-like type substance almost, uh, I guess it is. I don't know the official name of it. I don't play baseball. I don't follow it enough to know what this exact sticky substance is, but that's what everybody's calling this is a sticky substance. So the MLB has said, okay, we're now going going to check pitchers for this substance, and if they have it, they have to serve a minimum of a 10-game suspension. And the team that they're on cannot bring up another player from a minor league team to replace the player that is on suspension. That is the penalty for first-time offenders. And then obviously, you, you can imagine it probably gets worse the more times you offend that rule. And so pitchers are not able to grip the ball as well as they used to because they don't have the sticky substance. Now, do a lot of pitchers use this? I'm going to guess probably not. I think a lot of them are just naturally gifted at throwing the ball, and they're good at what they do, even without substance. But there's been a few cases. Francisco Lindor, uh, or or no, not Francisco Lindor. I meant um, Hector Santiago, I believe, of the Mariners, I want to say, got was the first person caught with this substance, and he is now... Uh, serving a, I believe, a 10-game suspension, as I had mentioned. So here we go. Yeah, Mariners' Hector Santiago pulling the news story up here. This was brought to my attention, actually, yesterday from a friend of mine. He said, hey, did you see they caught the first of this, uh, the first picture of this um, new rule? And I said, really? Who was it? He says, well, it's Mariners pitcher Hector Santiago. He's been suspended 10 games by Major Major League Baseball after being ejected for a foreign substance. Well, that foreign substance came back from the lab, and it was deemed that quote-unquote sticky stuff. So for Major League Baseball, the only thing I'm going to be watching is the increase in amount of runs scored because I have to imagine that while not a, not very many pitchers are using this substance, I think enough are to where we could see a noticeable difference in runs being scored. I think we're going to see that increase in runs being scored. And I think for a fan, from a fan's perspective, especially if you're into more home runs and hits and base hits and be, more runs being scored, I think you'll like this version of MLB. So that's something to definitely watch for. But I appreciate you guys giving me a few minutes of your time here on a Tuesday's Back and Forth. As I mentioned, I will be back on Wednesday. Remember, you can find this podcast wherever you find your podcast, your favorite podcasting platforms. This is all thanks in part to our friends over at Anchor. Again, we'll be back on Wednesday for another edition of the Back and Forth podcast. Until then, enjoy your evening. I've been your host, Matt, and we'll talk to you all on Wednesday. Peace out.